Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Check, 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 check. Oh, he's pressing forward now. Left leg. Left leg. Left leg. You are mispronouncing it. It's called shit. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? We're at Unleash World. You know the game. This is the Chat and Cheese podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always. The left rogue to my Alberfeldy, Chad Sowash, <laughs> and we are, if you can stop laughing, welcome Matt, that British guy Alder, popping in for a visit, taking a break from podcasting. Matt, welcome to the Chad and Cheese podcast. Thank you very much. I can hear the whole of Scotland now up in arms about the way yeah. that you're, you're How many kilts just mis- went up in flames mis- Mispronouncing just now. some of their greatest love brand names. <laughs> Alberfeldy. Alberfeldy's. <laughs> Prince Alberfeldy. Really don't enunciate things in Scottish, right? Everything just kind of like runs through, but it's got this wonderful. You're offending rich, him. Look at how red he's getting. No, Stop it's, offending it's, it's him. It's a very rich, kind of like robust, guttural yeah. love, is what I feel when I hear somebody speak. I've never been, but we're going to change that. But we know Scots. So, you yes, know. Yeah. we know Scots. We like all the Scots we know. You're really Welsh, though, right? English. I'm English. Scotch. I thought you were Cardiff. I thought Cardiff by the no, sea. No, 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 no. I'm English. Okay. Um, I used to live in Cornwall. But oh, that's Cornwall. Part of, that's part of England. Sorry about that. Sorry and now I live that, in yeah. Scotland. Scotland. Okay, yeah. Um, so I'm not Scottish, but my, my wife and family are all Scottish. Oh, yeah. So. But you live in Scotland. So yeah, I'm becoming assimilated slowly. <laughs> I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing <laughs> a kilt yet. Have they accepted you yet? It's a very open, accepting, inclusive country. So you, you'd even be welcome. I don't know about that. Wow, that's saying <laughs> something, because I offend everybody. <laughs> yes, we're here today, kids. In lieu, let's say, of the Friday show, we're going to go over a Unleash recap, talk a little bit about all the, the fun parties. People are back. We're in Paris. But at the end of the day, listeners want to hear how this shit went. Yes, the FOMO is real, kids. Well, FOMO all over. Like, we're in we're in Europe. <laughs> we're in Paris. Over. Is that a song? We're at Unleash. <laughs> it could be a song. Let's write a song right here, right now. FOMO all over. I'm going to FOMO all over. No. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to get the Vonkin FOMO <laughs> on you. It's great to be back in person. That's all I have to say. Yeah. We're human beings. We need to socialize. And for two and a half years, we didn't get to do that, especially as, as podcasters. We talk to people. We speak into the ether to no one. And it's great <laughs> to come and see people. Yes. Have pe- I don't want to break my own arm patting myself on the back, but to have fans come by the booth. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. Like, you know, love you guys. Keep keep doing what you do. Uh, You're full of shit on my startup that you talk shit about. (laughs) Um, It's great to get all that feedback. Um, Well, it's great to have. uh, We've got this podcasting area with these kind of branded booths. It's pretty sweet, right? It's pretty good. And yours is kind of bright yellow. Ours is is like screaming. The people coming by my booth have mainly been coming to plug their phones in to recharge (laughs) because I've got a spare socket. We covered ours up so people yeah. couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's um, no, it's a really, it's a really great event. I mean, there's lots of interesting companies exhibiting. Uh, I was hosting the recruitment stage yesterday.
today. There's some great content. Yes. Tell the listeners what that is. What what kind of content were you uh, overseeing? What were they? Uh... So it was a, a string of very senior uh, TA people talking okay. about their various challenges. We had a great panel on um, first up talking about all the things that are affecting talent acquisition at the moment and how large companies are dealing with them. Uh, we heard from Deloitte. We heard from Deutsche Bahn, um, all kinds of other um, you know, large, large European or large multinational companies. Companies looking at all kinds of different areas. Of so they all didn't say we're in a hiring freeze for the next twelve months. No, not at all. There There's was actually still activity. Yeah, and there a lot was, of Americans think it's doom and gloom over here in Europe. Yeah, and not I so mean much. it is, but that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't translate. It's that not stop us. You know, but we're still it, hiring. It's still, really, the sense was that um, you know there's lots of economic pressure, recession in quite a few countries, recession coming in the ones that that, that aren't there yet. Yep. However still very difficult to attract and retain talent so you know companies may not be hiring in the numbers that they were hiring before but yep. they've still got all the same problems they had a year ago and so uh, interesting to see people linking uh, TA also and employer branding with retention so retaining people still yeah. a big issue how do you build upskilling cultures how do you upskill people all kind of thrown into the same pot in the same presentation which yeah. We didn't see before. That would be three different presentations, like yeah. two or three years ago. Yeah. So that's been yeah. that was really interesting yesterday yeah. to see that. Well, pretty amazing. I mean, we we see the big names. They're all over the expo floor here. Not all the big names. All of the brands that are now, especially because we're in Europe, that are the atlases, the remotes, mm -hmm. the EOR companies yep. who are popping up in like exploding. Well, yep. probably because they got hundreds of millions of dollars, but exploding. Because Europe, there's a bunch of countries, and it's not easy to hire in Europe for all of the different countries. But when you're looking for talent and you have the problems that you were just talking about, Matt, you need that those types of those types of services. So yeah. we, we did see them in the U.S. at HR Tech, but they, I mean, they're big and strong here. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, absolutely. It, you know, again, going back to the the speakers that I saw yesterday and the people who've come on my podcast that I've, I've sort of interviewed over the last couple of days. You know, they're they're all recruiting in multiple multiple countries. Um, all kinds of issues with you know, different regulations, lots of different things going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just an explosion of tools to, you know, to help that. And also to really help people tap more into, uh, you know, global workforces um, and, uh, you know, borderless, borderless working and all that and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, really interesting. We have a drive-by listener. <laughs> drive-by. Uh, who, who are you, sir? I try to stay anonymous. Anonymous <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't do anonymity. <laughs> But we can so, see you. So Levin, so yeah, Levin is here, but for some reason Levin he's been he's been trying not to get on the mic, so I had to get him on the mic. So about this show, other than not going to the to the champagne tasting, well, what, what's been great? The exhibition, basically, it's uh, it's marvelous. So many companies I never heard about, and I'm trying to hear about now. Levin's so, making a shopping list for House of HR acquisitions yeah, in 2023. We're going to buy this and this and this, and we're going to yeah. buy it all, something like that. And I was trying to build the best e-recruitment congress in the world, and now I think I'll have some work to do. Oh, wait, which is going to be hold where on, next hold year? On. So you're Amsterdam. Not, did Amsterdam, I, did I hear him say that the e-congress is going to be this size at some point? Like you have bigger ambitions than what it is? Smaller yet better. Oh, kind of like Belgium. Smaller but better. <laughs> <laughs> Matt liked that one. <laughs> Levin's taking us to Moulin Rouge tonight. We need to be nice to I need, him. I need to, I need to work through that, yes. Boobies and champagne tonight, <laughs> apparently, is what was on tap. It's France. It's France, so that should be standard. So, yeah, so we started off with the Vonk rooftop party. Matt, Matt, you were there. You were I was there. there. You yeah. were there. Yeah, you yeah, were yeah, there. Yeah. You got yeah. in a day before. Yep. I got in the day of the party. Did you come <laughs> in on Tuesday? I literally came in. I landed an hour before the party started. And I came straight to the party. So, so. so talk about last minute. I mean, Jesus, Cheeseman comes in like a few hours before. Then well, here's Alder, the problem. Alder just See, I, right in. I make my plans well in advance. The show starts on Wednesday. I come in on Tuesday. That gives me like twelve hours you know to get adjusted. Prior. And then, and then a month before, 
a party gets scheduled or yes. hey somebody's doing this. So it's, then it's like it's Paris. I got two hours instead of twelve hours. You got a little nap. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> I have a five-year-old. It's harder for me to. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm I'm on an hour time difference, so I didn't really it's didn't really need it. Didn't really need a nap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. And, so, and Matt always parties all the time, <laughs> so he's ready to go. Yeah. He, at a moment's oh, notice. Always. So that was that was a blast. Rooftop. Dude, Paris rooftop, Eiffel Tower, sun setting, perfect weather. Free drinks. We perfect weather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, free drinks, French whiskey, and fried chicken, French which are surprisingly good. And I, I could not believe the fried chicken. It, it, no, they it rocked like, some fried chicken it was, at this It was like some, some upscale shake and bake. That's what that shit was. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> chicken breasts. And there were some steroids in these chickens because oh, yes. they were huge. Chopped nicely. Breaded exquisitely, it was a, a nice little dip. Yep, uh, it was fantastic. And the French whiskey, I'm kind of convinced that it's Irish whiskey aged in new, some sort of French new, new, barrel. New, new label. Yeah, it's, it's made in Bushmills Distillery, and then they aged over here. See, I got Matt here. one of those, and he was like, "I'm not drinking that shit." I'm like, "Matt, <laughs> really?" I'm like, "Matt, Matt, try it." Try. I it. really wanted like, a beer. That was why. <laughs> I really wanted a beer. They had a very nice IPA, so um, it was good. But actually, you know, the, the whiskey was very nice. It'd be nice to know what it actually actually was. <laughs> it's rather than it was Irish generic whiskey? French whiskey. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, definitely not Scotch. And definitely no. not bourbon. It was, it was, I, yeah, I yeah, know it was. It was a little. It was much smoother. It was light. Yeah. More of a sweeter. Triple distilled for sure. Yeah. So thanks to Vonk for having the party. Yeah, uh, supporting supporting that. After that, we had a nice Italian dinner that you took me to in Paris because that's what you do in Paris. You have yeah. Italian food. Well, when you're when you're going somewhere <laughs> with Julie Sowash, that woman wants pasta. It, I mean, and she hadn't had pasta for a couple of days, so we had to make sure she that she does you know, love the noodle. Yes, the, the rigatoni noodle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, that was a good time. Plenty of wine, plenty of good time. First, the the first day of the show, got in here. I was I was really expecting to see more of kind of like a downsize because you know people coming back. Is it going to come slower? It didn't. This one might be a tad smaller, a tad more intimate. No. I think it's a similar size to the one the one three years ago. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult to remember anything that happened before the pandemic, but it <laughs> yeah. seems it seems familiar at this kind of size. The eightfold booth is smaller. Maybe that's why they didn't go with the three eighty by three eighty booth. They actually with this one. limit. Oh, that would be very European. The amount of yes, don't the, the amount big. of uh, booths that don't, you can have in one too, fucking space. Don't Jesus. be too American with your yep. booths. No, then we did dinner with Max from uh, Talk Push last night. Yeah, well, we did a session with uh, our friend Keith Sonderling, uh, which was great, and that was well received. A good crowd, which you're going to hear right after this uh, yep, short which update, we'll, which we'll uh, play for you after this. But yeah, I uh, funny story. You you took off to get ready for dinner, which we had with uh-huh. Max. I <laughs> had the intention of going to the eightfold party, talking about eightfold, and there are apparently two hotels of the same name that both have a rooftop bar. I went to the wrong hotel. I did go to the rooftop bar, and I go up and I say eightfold party, and they spoke French, so they didn't know what I was saying. Luckily, I saw Sarah White and uh, Lagunas. Kyle. Kyle Lagunas yeah. in the corner there, and I said, yes, this is where I belong. They let me in. Uh, I had some Lafroig. You got it right. You got it right. And it was, it was, uh, it was great. It was great. <laughs> and met some new friends and then left and met, met up with you at uh, a real French cafe yes. bistro restaurant, whatever Very they call small. it. Very small. As a matter of fact, Max Armbruster was actually spent a good amount what of his time. What did he have? Sheep brain? Some brain something. Gorilla brain. Yeah. Oh, that was, it, that the, was the a French, weird French. The French will eat everything. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they'll eat Drink everything. Drink and eat everything. Yes. But yeah, to Talk Push, thanks to Talk Push for, for dinner last night. Uh, woke up this morning, I felt like shit, not because of the alcohol. Yeah. A little bit of a, a yeah, cold. Yeah, you're dragging a little bit. A little bit, a little Which bit, but other than Chad that. Chad dragging is like everyone else's 100%, <laughs> so it's not it's not too bad. And a shit ton of interviews. We had Zev from Cindio, Juana was on stage with us. Yeah, Fuel 50, Tex Colonel, Vonk. Yeah, it was a uh, parade of... 
influencers and companies making miracles happen is making, what we what we had. Yeah, and we got some Wayfair too, so that's good. They got just what we need, Chad. Yes, at Wayfair. And then we got Boss on, and we had to cut him to ten minutes. I don't know. We need to get Bill Borman and Boss oh, to go no. bowling. Jesus Christ. <laughs> The eight-hour bowling match oh is what that God. would be. Good yes. God, those guys could talk. <laughs> a Brit and a Dutchman go into a bar and stay there for 24 hours and talk, apparently. Any parting shots, Matt? Words of wisdom, because they generally don't get that from our show. Yeah, well, I just, you know, I did go, I did go to the eight-fold party last night, so I went to the right place. Um, I read the instructions properly. But also, I just want to make a big shout out for Social Talent, who had an amazing dinner last night in possibly the smallest smallest room I've ever been in in my life with the most amount of people. Did you say sexual talent? Social talent. Social talent. Social talent. Sorry, so you your hearing is going. He's always, he's always hearing what he wants to hear. Absolutely. Yes. No, yes. definitely social talent. So shout out to them because that was a, um, you know, that was a great, some great conversations there. Tell the story um, about their booth or lack thereof. I think that's a funny story. I don't know that story. The booth next to us is having, they have a barista and really nice coffee. Yes. So, so Dave is over there. I'm like, hey guys, where's your booth? Blah, blah, blah. So apparently someone I don't know forgot to like have the booth delivered if there is even a booth, who knows? So they have no booth over there. They've they've totally just like gone with it. Fortunately, everyone there wears these green, yes. like super green shirts uh-huh. with the ninja thing. So yeah, that's my funny story. They have no booth, but they have a booth, and they're making it work. Like they're true leaning, Irish leaning men. into not having a booth. Yeah, uh, like a yeah, true Irish. Good. Like let's just roll with it. No booth, yeah. which is a great conversation starter. I, which I love is what Johnny said. He said, it sucks, but nobody died. Let's make this work. And that, my friend, is how this shit should work in the first place. I I think that should be the motto of the next 12 months. Amen. Chad's words to live by. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. (laughs) And ask yourself, did somebody die? And if they did, call 911. (laughs) But generally, no one died. Or... What is it here? Is it two one 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 two or something? Anyway, it's different. You can't go on that one. Somebody call two one one because this podcast is dead. We out. We out. Good afternoon, guys. Welcome to the influencer stage. You'll see that this is down as a panel, but the two guys that lead this, obviously the most HR's most dangerous podcast, never have a panel. Uh, I'd class it definitely as a fireside chat. And they will be unpacking. Can you trust hiring with AI? Over to you guys. Hello, oh, Harris. Oh yeah. Hello. Where's What's the free? Where's the free champagne? That's the question. Everybody should be getting free champagne at this point. Uh, I am Chad of the Chad and Cheese podcast. I am Cheese Joel Cheeseman of the Chad and Cheese podcast. If you don't know about us, you can check us out on any podcasting platform that you currently enjoy and we are just giddy giddy as hell to introduce these two guests with us first and foremost oana iardachescu did i did i butcher that too much oh yeah that was that i did too much all right she's a associate director of talent acquisition uh technology in europe and asia at (laughs) wayfair Wayfair. you haven't gotten your furniture at wayfair what are you waiting for you got to sing it when you say it Wayfair, you've got Wayfair. just what I want or need. Want or need, I don't know. And you, and uh, go ahead and introduce Keith. Okay, so Keith Sonderling, yes, a commissioner at the EEOC. We actually uh, we had to bring the U.S. over to have a conversation around America. the EU. Taking the show Along on the with, road. Yes, yes. America. Show on the road. Keith, give us a quick Twitter bio of, of you. Long walks on the beach. That's right. In, Frequent in DC, and in DC, in he loves a good perp walk. That's right. Yeah, he well, loves. <laughs> yeah. uh, my name is Keith Sonderling. I'm a commissioner at the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and what that means is we are the premier civil rights agency in the United States, responsible for enforcing all workplace discrimination laws. So everything from the Me Too movement, the pay equity, to disability, you name it, everything relevant to HR professionals, uh, that is my agency. And a Twitter bio. From Juana. Is that enough characters? That's good for now. That's good for you. Do all the cool stuff. <laughs> I, he's in government. You just oh. said he, do, he does all the cool stuff. Really? Yeah. 
I mean, me too, discrimination, uh, lawsuits. I, I love that. Juan, <laughs> uh, you're the Kesku here. You're the Kesku for those who you're want to Kesku. try harder next time. You're the Kesku. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I live currently in Berlin. I'm originally from Romania and worked in technology recruitment for the past 10 years with Booking.com, Facebook, always building technology teams in these organizations. Of course, as part of the AA, we use a lot of these tools that, they are trying to regulate, and that's a good thing. So we're going to talk about that. Oh, regulation's a good thing. We must be in she the EU. She kept it professional, didn't she? Yeah. We she must be. It. I don't she hear that dis- often in America. I hear, no, get away no. from us. Yes. It's, Alana also loves disco dancing <laughs> and, and dressing <laughs> like a rock star. Let's get to the Q&A, shall we? Let's do this. So the uh, AI technologies that many attendees are seeing here today are filled with a minefield of potential risk. Are you saying risk? risk? I'm saying risk. Risk risk is out here everywhere. Uh, Keith, what are some prevalent uh, risks that people should be looking for from an EEOC perspective as they're talking to these vendors around the Even here in the EU. Yeah, and I want to take a step back, and it's really important to put the context of where we are and how we got here. So artificial intelligence, as we all know, it's a buzzword. It's throughout industry. So the other sides of your businesses outside of HR have probably been using artificial intelligence to make your business more effective, efficient, uh, make more money. And there's been so many products to, uh, out there on the AI side that your C-suite and your board of directors have loved because they've implemented that. It's saved costs. It's, it's just made companies more profitable. So now we're seeing AI coming into a different area, which is our space and human resources with the promise to eliminate bias. And I think that's a really good thing with a promise promise to eliminate bias because you have these very smart computer engineers who have figured out to make the other sides of your business better. And now let's make HR better. And how do we do that? What do we have to eliminate? Now I'll ask the questions, Chad and Cheese. What do we have to eliminate to make an AI product super effective, eliminate bias, eliminate discrimination? The H or the R, which one do we want to eliminate? Probably the humans. Yeah, we don't need the humans. And why do we want to eliminate the humans? They're a pain in the ass. They're a pain in the ass, but they're also, you know, full of potential bias. So in all seriousness, where a lot of these products are being sold is to eliminate the human from the decision-making process. And if you eliminate the human, you also eliminate some of the long-standing biases that have plagued the workforce. The reason my agency exists in the United States and similar agencies here in the EU is because employers discriminate. And whether they intend to do it or not, they're going to be liable for those decisions, both from a government enforcement perspective and a publicity perspective of discriminating against women and discriminating against Asians. You name the protected characteristics, it's not good news for any of that. So getting back to your question, artificial intelligence out here, and a lot of vendors are now creating products to eliminate that bias, to just use neutral characteristics, whether it's the characteristics related to applying for the job, succeeding in the job, to make the products have less bias. Yeah. Does that sound simple? It does, but I don't, I don't think Wana buys that. Do you, do you buy the... I'm not selling anything. I'm the government. Do, do, do you buy, are you buying that, that it's eliminating risk? No, absolutely not. It's not okay. eliminating risk. I think actually it's probably creating some interesting side effects. And a lot of these tools we're talking about, they're not actually being sold to us to eliminate bias. They are sold to us to make the process more effective, faster, right? So I think the, the different products that we can use promise that while whatever you're trying to solve, speed, quality, volume, whatever, it's not generating more bias than you would with humans, right? Because you're liable if you do discriminate without the AI. With the humans, yeah. which is a great point because I think a lot of people believe, well, if it's their product, am I on the hook for it because I didn't create it? It's not an Amazon situation where we, this is a homemade technology. So I think a lot of these people are here concerned about what questions should I be asking these vendors to make sure that I'm not in trouble when shit hits the fan. And in the United States, the employer is liable for the employment decision. So whether it's made by a computer or whether it's made by a human, you can't say, well, yeah, we discriminated, but the computer did it, so we're off the hook and we can't get in trouble. That's just not how it works. And I don't think anywhere in the world they're going to buy that. So what the the challenge is now with all these very innovative products coming online, that truly, and we'll talk about, if they're designed properly, whether it's the right data, the very diverse data set, to help you recruit, 
or if it's an algorithm that, that doesn't let you filter based upon somebody's sex, their national origin, it can actually help companies with their diversity. It can actually eliminate some of the bias. But if it's not, it can scale discrimination larger than we've ever seen before. So there's always two sides of the equation here. But yeah. you know that oversight is what's going to be critical. So to Juana's point is that humans are biased. There's no question. They're, they're biased. But guess what humans can't do well? Scale. So when you start using AI, if the AI is biased because of human developments, guess what? You're going to scale bias, which means your opportunity to be more biased goes up dramatically and it goes up fast. Yeah. And the, there's a, st a stat that the average talent acquisition person takes around seven seconds to look at a resume, right? Yes. Six. Yes. Six okay. We lost a second. And that's not because <laughs> of, you know, they have short attention spans, right? It's just because of sheer volumes of resumes you're getting. Yeah. So think about if you have an HR manager or talent acquisition manager who doesn't want to hire older women, right? And th so they have to look through, okay, when do they graduate college? What's their name? Okay, here's one in the trash. No, here's in the trash. With an algorithm in 0.7 seconds, probably even faster, you can scale discrimination from that what that one person takes to look through a resume in a millisecond to thousands and thousands of resumes. Which is what we click. saw at Amazon. Is exactly what we saw at Amazon. I mean, they were scaling it, but Amazon, to their credit, found it and shut it down. But I'm going to go back to his question. What questions should we ask when we want to design or uh -huh. buy? Yeah. And I think a, a problem with what Amazon did was which data was fed into, right? And I think this is also where we need to ask our vendors, providers, is it structured data, unstructured data? Are you working only with our company data? Are you working with a certain nationality, regionality? Um, there is so much option there that you need to understand before even considering a product. So you can make some decisions where you can say, yes, I can take this risk because I think we're still in a phase where everything has a risk. We just need to quantify, is this a risk I can take and I can work with this vendor on that because you need that continuous maintenance or not. And I'll wait another five years and I'll see what happens. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text uh -huh. kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text Kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> human resources is supposed to be about humans. I mean, it's right there in the name. But when your hiring team is more like an assembly line glued to their computers, manually posting heaps of jobs everywhere they can think of, that human part feels nowhere to be found. This is a new era. Pando IQ takes the mind-numbing copy-pasting and nerve-wracking guesswork out of the job posting process. When you plan a hiring campaign with Pando IQ, you tell us who you need. Then, before you ever spend a cent, we predict what it will cost to find them. 
PandaIQ chooses the ideal recruiting sites from thousands of options, targeting the ones your next great hire frequently visits, then fires off your ads at precisely calculated times, surfacing the most relevant applicants for you to pick from. Now you're free to get to know the best talent, build great teams, and take care of your humans. PandaIQ will do the rest, so you can get back to doing what the computers can't. For more information on PandaIQ, go to pandologic.com. That's pandologic.com. Yeah, well, so as... They have a questionnaire at the EOC, right? Questions to ask in terms of your recruiting. I'm sure the EU has similar. Yeah, we put out a lot of guidance on that, but I think to your point, you're making a very good point, and I think we need to just set the stage. There's basically two ways AI can discriminate. Only two? Well, two, like, let's just go two major ways, okay? And that's, you know, either on the data set. So you can have um, a data set that's not diverse. And in the Amazon example, it was a resume set of mainly men. So what happened? It lowered anyone who was a, a female or had any characteristics related to being a female. And that's because it was, you know, bad data. And that data, even though the, data, the characteristics were neutral, that was the predominant characteristics. So that's through the data discrimination, which is what largely everyone is talking about. But the other type of discrimination really occurs from the algorithm itself. So you could have the most neutral, perfect, diverse data set that is representative of your area, that has all the candidates you want, but if you're only then showing those job advertisements to certain people through an algorithm, let's say younger like workers. Like a recommender system? Like a recommender system. Or you have an, a bad HR manager who wants to go in there, like the example I gave you earlier, and filter out, filter out certain people. That is not based on a bad data set. That's based on intentional discrimination. And that's no different than a human discriminating against by what they see on their resume. So it's very much, it's so important to keep when you're thinking about AI discrimination, a lot of it is not that much different than human discrimination, right? No, just scales faster. Right. But then is it the system or is it still the human? Because I was actually thinking about this. I was putting some people in a LinkedIn project for a, a recruitment in a certain area. And then I get all these recommended people we are, which are from the same school. And I'm like, LinkedIn, I don't need this. I need diversity, please. I, because I selected one person and the second may be tangential. More like Bob. Right? Right? Yeah, so more like Bob. Who, who, <laughs> more like Bob. Yeah, be more like Bob. Um, so in the end, when we have this option of people training the algorithm, right, this is the problem as well. Right. Okay, so we've, we've set the table, I think, from the standpoint of, obviously, humans are biased, no question. AI can scale that bias, one of the things that Keith said, though, was that right now, the employer is on the hook, right? In the EU, there's actually guidelines that are being proposed, that are being put forth, that the vendor will actually be put on the hook as well. So there will be a shared responsibility. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is a really critical issue uh, for companies looking to go all in on AI, for you know, whatever the benefits are, whatever the potential drawbacks. I think with HR technology, we can all agree um, it is the future. Companies are gonna have to use artificial intelligence in AR, uh, in HR no matter what. But what we're trying to raise awareness of, and really the point of this panel is to, to be competitive, you're gonna have to use some of it, but what do you use it for and what purpose, and how do you not discriminate while using it? So you know, the regulatory landscape, and it is appropriate to start with me on this one because I am a Real regulator, um, it's really as opposed to a fake regulator, yeah, like, exactly. like Joel and I. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, no, I got it. That, that's what I was hinting at. <laughs> but you know, in the United States, there's exist like my agency was created out of the civil rights movements in the 1960s, and I've been arguing that our laws from the 1960s still apply to this new technology that's not even that's being developed and will be developed in the future is the same way it applies to decisions made by human by pen and paper since the 1960s. And a lot of that is just how do we apply these decisions made by algorithms and compare them to the decisions made by humans, which we know how to do, which a lot of it is results. Which is out outcomes. Which is outcomes. Hiring At outcomes. We see discrimination. And how did that discrimination occur? Was it based upon, was it, if it's an algorithm involved, was it the bad data set? Or was it a discriminatory algorithm? But liability and the discrimination is going to occur. So what, you, what you're seeing across the United States, which we'll talk about on a state and local level, and especially here in the EU, is this rush to make new laws related to artificial intelligence. 
and probably not a surprise to anybody in this audience, the EU, like they did with GDPR, wants to get ahead of the United States and wants to get ahead of other countries. And they've done that through their proposed EU Artificial Intelligence Act. And in that act, it basically, different types of AI use is goes into different risk categories. So they've said that the risk of using AI in employment is in the highest risk category, which subjects it to robust disclosures, auditing, and other requirements. But one of the key differences in the EU, if this proposal goes through, is that there will be liability towards the vendor, either those who put it on the marketplace for sale or create it and use it themselves. And that's far different than the United States, where the vendor does not have liability, the employer has liability. So we are at such a critical time here, and this conversation is so relevant, and why I'm really, I think we're all excited to be here to talk to all of you, especially based in the EU, is that if that goes forward, it completely changes the game when it comes to HR technology. Yeah, a race to regulate is what I just heard. Juana? In the risk of making this an EU versus US competition. Let's go, that's fine. <laughs> because Please. you said the EU was to... No, I don't think so. I think the EU cares more about its citizens. Can we maybe... <laughs> agreed. Yeah, agreed. Wait a minute. Wait, citizens versus the, the all the mighty dollar. Yes. yes. But no, I think whatever what Keith said actually is correct. And this is happening. It's in discussions. Technically, in the next two years, we will know if the, if the law passes or not. But what I... I'm actually dissatisfied with this law is that it puts everything on the employee or the impacted person. You have to go and say this algorithm from this provider within this company with the lawyer, you know, prepared for all this battle, you need to prove, which I don't think it does anything, to be honest. Like right. there will be so little action, like real action that we can interpret this without like unless you are, I don't know, you bring some Bloomberg in it or something, right? Like big stuff. But it doesn't really fix the problem of protection and prevention as much. Yeah, but it's put us all on notice. And your point is that the EU even putting a proposal in this really makes us all have this conversation. And it has a different context now of not, you're not just buying a product, but what else do you have to do once you buy the product? And who is going to do that for you? Is it you as the employer? Is it the vendor's responsibility? To your point, is it going to be employees hiring a lawyer to force those audits to happen? But if this law passes, it adds a whole additional layer onto this conversation, onto the sales and purchase of these products that we're not talking about yet, that doesn't exist right now in the United States, even though the law may, from the 1960s may require that audit to occur. So it's just going to completely change the dynamic around purchasing and developing AI technology. Do you see American companies following suit with European laws in terms of companies being on the hook? Or do you think that they'll continue to, to, be, to get a pass from the U.S. legal system? I think they're going to follow. Um, obviously, in the United States, a lot of these pro products are being developed, designed there as well. And I think they're going to continue following the, the U.S. legal standard. But very much like GDPR, and how it affected all U.S. companies. I mean, as you know, when we're in the United States, we have to click through all those pop-up GDPR things yeah. uh, in the U.S., even though most of us don't even know what it, it means. Thanks. Except Europe. all. Right. But in all seriousness, I think that when it comes to this, if, if vendors and employers are going to have to start doing these audits and paying for the audits here in the yeah. EU, the question then, purchasing it in the United States... We want to see those audits. Well, you've done an audit, and if your audit sh doesn't show bias, then do it for us here in the United States. So it certainly will have that effect of adding that additional layer on if a company has already paid for and done an audit. Can we focus on audits for a second? What do you yes. mean by an audit? And I think companies being on the hook means you can't just buy an audit from a third party and say that it's legitimate. It, be it becomes a different weight in terms of what an audit is. So define it and what's the future and risks of an audit? Well, from our perspective from the, at the EEOC and under U.S. law, any types of employment audits, we look at only that individual employer. So any of these generic audits done on a you know, statistical basis of uh, the workforce as a whole does not matter to us. When our federal investigators show up to your business, 
you know, we're asking only for your data set, you're asking only for the snapshot of your employees, who applied, who you hired, and um, that whole chain, and looking at those results. So any of these aggregate audits or audits done for other companies or by other vendors mean absolutely nothing to us. And, and what does that look like? That's the hardest question to answer right now because everyone's I wanna, talking. I want to underscore means absolutely nothing to us, meaning the government agency. That's an important, I think, thing to highlight. It, it, we only care about your company. And if you come and show us a brochure that <laughs> it was audited by somewhere else or worked at somebody else's company. Just what it is, it's a brochure. We don't. It doesn't fly. And I think that is really, and I'm not saying that, you know, to, to scare everyone. I'm just saying what the, what the law requires and what the reality is. We only look at your, your employer and everything else that's going on there. If the product works for somebody else, great. That's great. But we care how it works with yeah. your business, with your employees, with your diversity. And that's so critical for everyone to understand. There's, there's not just this once it, it, it's certified, it, it works. Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? There's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards, so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. Will, will there ever be a government agency that audits these AI technologies? Oh, hell yeah, there will be. I mean, okay, so let me give you a... <laughs> Are you sure? A, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can guarantee you. Here's why. So back in like 2008, uh, the United States actually shut down a, a, a site called America's Job Bank, which was a distribution mechanism for, for jobs, but it was a part of compliance. So what they did was really the, 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 public, or the private sector took that on and it became a product. It was productized, although that product had to, had to complete with an audit, right? So you had a infrastructure for job distribution and then you actually had auditing information that you had to, uh, had to provide to your clients. I mean, to me, from an AI auditing standpoint, every single one of these companies that are out there today, should they, they could have a market differentiator if they had an audit and also third-party audits to provide to a, a company, which, which, again, doesn't save you, although you go through the mechanism and, and you actually understand what you're looking for so that when the guys come in the door looking to do an audit or to check to see if there is discrimination, you at least have information to start to go by, some type of infrastructure. And I want to go back to Joel's question. What is an audit? It sounds great, right? <laughs> audit, audit. We did an audit. We paid for an audit. We're audited, right? Okay, that's great in accounting. That's great with your finances. Yeah. But what does that mean in employment? And this is what the most difficult part is. And this is where the EU does look to the United States and most um, regulators around the world in employment, and they look to the EEOC. Because in 1978, that's right, in 1978, the EEOC came out with guidelines in coordination with the Department of Labor and the Department of Justice on how to do audit testing in employment, okay? But that was created in 1978. That was before Wano was even born. <laughs> And you know, that is the standard around the world. So in New York, for instance, New York City, as you probably, a lot of you have heard of, it's the only real um, auditing law that is about to go into effect in January 2023. And it's for use of AI systems for recruiting, but then limited to New York City, where their jurisdiction is. And they said it's going to be, if you're using this, you're going to have to do a yearly bias audit. Well, what does that mean? And everyone's pushing New York, pushing New York. Tell us what that audit means because we're going to have to do it if we're in New York City. So New York just two weeks ago finally came out with what an audit is. And you know what they said? Look to the EEOC's 1978 guidelines because nobody has come up with a better system or anything. And that system was really designed um, for pen and paper Scantron tests, assessment tests. And whether we've all taken one, a lot of companies used to give that, you know, you want to work here, take this psychological test developed in the 1940s and 50s, you know, the Wonderling test. There's a lot of different tests. 
And that's, that's, we're going to see if those tests are biased based upon the results. So that's how those tests were designed. But that, that's not, that's a big overhaul to, to do that. There's a lot of other things going on. So right now, the, really the worldwide standard for what is an audit is these 1978 guidelines made for pen and paper tests. Juana, how are you auditing uh, bias today without AI or with AI? I that's, mean, a, that's what I was going to, is the audit going to be done by AI? Right. Well, there's a lot of companies out there who ha are they're now developing AI right? to audit AI, and yeah. it's, it's sort of a half a joke. But there's really now vendors coming online, building AI to see if your AI is biased, and then do we need yeah, another AI to check that AI? Startup in the audience. When does it end? Startup already in the audience doing that. I'm sure. I don't remember the question, but <laughs> how do you currently audit? I mean, what to what standards? Because they're. Oh, yeah. There, there's still standards, right? And just because it's happening yeah. with AI doesn't make the standards any different because it's all about outcomes. But in a way, at least here, we basically, if you, ha if you are a producer, I don't know, Horsefly, for example, or Candidate ID or things like that, they need to go and submit their product and say, I am GDPR compliant, I am AI compliant, I am also uh, local regulation compliant because Germany is different than the UK, than France, and so on. So in a way, as an organization, usually you're like, are you compliant? Great. Then we do our own compliance with our own legal team. But that's the third party that you say we shouldn't care about, right? So if you work with your PwC or whoever, right, if you can have that, that's good. But a lot of organizations do not, especially small and medium. You will not pay PwC X amount to say, well, you're asking do a triple check, please. With smaller budgets to buy these sophisticated products, and then you're asking them to go, like, for instance, a company like yours, you have a lot of outside auditors. But what about for the smaller companies? And, and, and how is that dynamic going to work? And where is the cost shifting going to go there? And a lot of these questions are unanswered because no one has forced them to do it yet. The EU law is just a proposal. The, to probably no surprise of anyone in this audience, the state of California is also trying to implement uh, in, under their labor department um, auditing requirements and vendor liability, but we haven't really seen that requirement happen outside of New York. But again, it's just for those New York City residents. So we haven't seen push come to shove on how it's going to then be part of the whole, we're selling you an AI package in HR. Does it include this and where's the cost? So I really think it's going to be so fascinating coming back to this conference in a couple of years from now yeah. to see how that dynamic has changed. Yeah. So, so we're, seeing, we're seeing a wave though the EU, we see big, I mean, huge states and cities like New York, California. I mean, th this seems like inevitable. Uh, talking if it's inevitable, the laws still apply right now. And so much of this AI discussion. So, yes. It, it's now. You can't use AI to discriminate right now. And a lot of people are, in, in the meantime, thinking, well, we don't have, you know, this New York law is not in effect. Uh, California's proposal, the EU. We're okay right now. And you're not, in no sense. And those requirements to make sure that AI is not discriminating, and there's more than just use in hiring, right? It's being used across the board from managing employees to um, making pay decisions for employees to even terminating employees. It's being used across the board. And from my perspective, from Washington, D.C., we have to make sure that there's companies in every use of AI in the workplace are still complying with the laws that have been on the books where I started from the 1960s. And whether there's new auditing requirements required by law, it doesn't matter. You still have to, this second, be making sure they're not discriminating and this second being diligent in who's using the systems and how you're buying them and how you're implementing that. And I think that really gets lost in the conversation when you start talking about the future of AI regulation because there's laws right now that prevent discrimination. What is though being added now, which I think is very interesting, from the EEOC, you always add this equal employer statement, right? So you have an obligation, and we do that in Europe as well. Each state has its own kind of guidance. But now, at least with this European law, we need to add that we are using products with AI to judge your selection. Like You have to have this statement in your job description throughout your recruitment process so people are aware how they've actually been through a process and what they can action if they want to action anything. And I think that's interesting, but probably in 20 years, 30 years from now on, everybody would have been using it, so the <laughs> statement is void, right? And I'll quickly take the contrary to that, because yes, that you can't discriminate in hiring. Everyone needs an equal opportunity. But now, with the AI disclosure requirements that New York's having, that some of the, you know, the proposals have, that if you're going to be subject to artificial intelligence, you need all these disclaimers. You have the ability to opt out. 
Okay. Well, now we're going further than how it works now, where say if you're dealing with a hiring manager who's racist, a hiring manager who doesn't want to hire you because you're pregnant or you have a disability. There's no disclaimers now that's saying you're, you're, you're being subject to a, a, somebody in talent acquisition with bias. And you, know, you may not get hired and you may think, well, I just wasn't qualified, but the real reason you weren't hired is because you're pregnant or you're disabled. And how are we supposed to know that? How do we get into the human mind, the black box of the human mind? But now when it comes to AI, we're holding AI to a much higher standard in a sense where we're making it a lot more confusing because of the black box of AI. Well, I could also argue that AI is more transparent than the human brain, right? So is anyone ever going to admit, I didn't hire you because you're a woman? Is anyone gonna ever gonna say, I'm not hiring you because of my bias? But now we're, we're saying that the AI will, you know, it needs to prove it on that side. So, you know, where are now the different standards of putting AI that is actually potentially more transparent on a different level of playing field than a human when the human is the one actually building and designing the AI. And I think that's another very complicated conversation. Come back next year when we'll be talking about AI hiring for squirrels and dump trucks in the metaverse. Everybody give it up for Keith and Oana. <laughs> Guys, particularly Keith, maybe you as well. Uh, if they want to learn more about these issues, where would you send them? What's a good resource that they can tap into? Half of the vendors here have AI component in their promise. Machine learning, deep learning, we will see. Go and check them out. I think they, they're going to teach you what they do, and then you can take it from there. If you want to go back and listen to the Chad and G's podcast, we did a whole deep dive for an hour yeah. about how the technology is being used in different kind of technologies and the regulations. But it's really important for me as a regulator. And from here, I'm going to another conference with EU regulators and regulators from around the globe. I think we really want to get this right. I think we're at a really uh, interesting time where, you know, how do we make sure that employers like you buying these software have the tools they need, have the questions? How do we make sure that the vendors who normally the EEOC doesn't have jurisdiction over and doesn't deal with have the tools they make? Because I truly believe that nobody wants to build a product or sell a product that violates civil rights laws, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we get to that group as well? So as this conversation continues, I'd really like to hear from all, all of you what you would like from, all of, from us from the regulatory perspective, what questions we can answer, and then what we should, you, the questions you need to ask a vendor, you know, run them by us. And, and I think that's how we're gonna be able to make uh, great guidelines as well. I'm oh, Cheese, yeah, he's Chad. We are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. So weird. We out. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.